back to the Mexican Post Podcast. Me, Josh. And me, Dono. Dono, injury caused early doors there by the looks of things, young man. Are you all right? Yeah, went early with with my dancing. Um, just banged my elbow. It's all right. I'll uh, I'll just I'll just I'll, I'll uh, run it off. Yeah, smart. I like that. Run specs. Um, we're back again, baby. Player pod this time. Obviously, hopefully you've listened and enjoyed our week in football. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. It's very enjoyable. Um, my personal highlight was. Um, I don't know what my personal highlight was from the week in football, actually, in, in hindsight. Probably thinking about our predictions again. Or maybe when you went by Munich Lazio, nil-nil. And then you went, actually, 2-nil. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, go back and give it a, go, go back and give it a listen if you haven't. Today, obviously, we're back with another player pods. And like we said in the last podcast, we are going to do someone a little bit niche than before, I feel like. I feel like we, uh, we, we've done some quite niche people... Um, we've done some people that um, you will know, some people that you may you may have heard of but not know too much about. I feel like this one, again, is one that you probably will have heard of but you may not know um, too much about their career um, and sort of what they did and, and the impact they had and that type of thing. So we're going to be asking a question today. Mate, how good was Marcos Senna? Oosh. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. You can't take it from there. And he does. Does he score? Root into in right, he does. That's right. <laughs> he um before we before we go through the tale of the tape and stuff, I think I was really I was actually really you suggested this one to us a little while ago. I was actually really happy when you suggested it because Marcos Senna is someone that I remember actually weirdly quite vividly because I feel like he rose to like um a level of fame when Villarreal were good and when Spain obviously went and won the Euros between the ages of like 12 and 14 and I feel like between 12 and 14 is when you kind of understand you you start to understand football more and you start to understand that it's not just the strikers that are the best players because they score the most goals um, so when you suggest it I was really happy but I've got to admit like one thing I didn't have Marcus um, Marcus Senna down for is like boomers really? that's 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 what I remember him for. Really? Yeah, that's what, that's what I remember him for. I remember he... Yeah, I remember... I think it was it must have been Champions League games. Um, he scores quite a lot of boomers against um, <laughs> Barca and Madrid. And I think yeah. he scores one against uh, an English side as well. But yeah, that's what I remember him for. And I remember him for being like career mode on FIFA, long shot accuracy. 80 plus and it would be him right at the top of the list because he could absolutely lever it yeah he I, see I don't remember that at all I rem- I just remember him being like uh, I remember him being a, a defensive midfielder that kept the ball ticking over which is definitely not the only <laughs> thing that he was he was he was the boomer man um Loved and like you said, boomers. He loved boomers against Real Madrid. But anyway, like let's we're, we're getting distracted a little bit. So why don't we why don't we go through uh, the tail of the tape which. I'm going to say again, it's quite short, which is good for you, but you had an absolute blind in it last week, so you're going to have to do it again this week. <clears throat> okay. Marcos Antonio Senna da Silva, also known as Marcos Senna. The Brazilian Stephen Reed. El Wacom them balls. Mr. I've got to hit it, haven't I? 19 none, Marcos. 19? That's bad luck. Peter Kay's Spanish hitmaker, El Capitan del Submarino Amarillo, Marcos Senna, starts his career off at the older cousin of Hollywood actors, James, Tom and Dave, Rio Branco, before moving on to... The biggest Paulista since Janinho, Corinthians, where he spends a lot of time before making a uh, a move to arguably the biggest Ju- biggest Juve on planet Earth, uh, Juvent- Juventud, <laughs> before <laughs> moving on to the Brazilian Cardiff, uh, Sao Cat- Sao Caetano. Are we having that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm having that. Um, before finally making his way to a club he spends the most time at, 
the fake Aston Villa and also the fakest club to ever claim to be real. Uh, Villa Real. Um, <laughs> where he has his most successful time um, before moving to the football hipsters uh, wet dream uh, New York Cosmos uh, over in America <laughs> where he then hangs his boots up. <laughs> um, you forgot to mention you forgot to mention alone at, oh yeah but at, who cares about the there's a, yeah but there's a club that basically if America is a Game Boy Advance then he goes to the slightly better version <laughs> of America SP much like the Game Boy Advance SP which was which was slightly superior to the Game Boy Advance I was going to put it in but I couldn't find it I couldn't think of a good joke so I, I left it out don't worry, I've just made a really shit one to sort of make you feel a little bit better. Um, so, Big Marcus, um, as you said, doesn't go around too many clubs, um, but he wins a few things. He wins a few things while he's there. So he wins Campeonato Brasileiro with Corinthians and the Campeonato Paulista, 99 and 2001. He wins the FIFA Club World Cup with Corinthians. <laughs> Small, small tra- oh, okay. okay, I'll take it back. I was going to say small trophy. The FIFA Club World Cup is not, I would say, is not a uh, is not a small thing to win. I would be, I'd be over the moon, I think, if my team won the FIFA Club World Cup. No, I wouldn't. I think if I was, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. But apparently it's, it's way bigger to people in, um, in different countries, like from different continents, like the South Americans, because obviously European football scene is the best. With Villarreal, huge gargantuan massive club that are known for winning loads he wins the intertoto cup twice <laughs> unbelievable stuff from marcos uh, before winning arguably the biggest bowl to have been celebrated in the course of the past week the soccer bowl <laughs> he wins the soccer bowl with new york cosmos twice and then he wins a little thing called the Euros with Spain. And he also is in the team of the tournament. And he wins Spanish Player of the Year in 2008. Unreal. That's a that's a, that's a hell of a, an award to win in 2008. Yeah, when you think about the players that are there, it is an incredible award to win. 2008. Yeah, that is mad, isn't it? But do you think do you think the soccer bowl has like do you think the soccer bowl has like Taylor Swift or do you think it has like Mr. Taylor who used to be our Italian teacher there? Like I bet it's got like the it's got like the 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 Z of Z list celebrities. Taylor Wimpy. Mike Taylor. <laughs> Taylor Wimpy. But mate, how good was Marco Senna? So obviously like we were talking about earlier, um we this this one, much like um a couple of our last podcasts isn't really we can't really go too much season by season because he's a holding midfielder so it's not really easy to go and then this year he scored X amount of goals um, so we're just going to talk about sort of what we sort of think of him but a bit of his upbringing and sort of some, some key roles and key parts that he played um, first thing is he's obviously Spanish player of the year Marcos Senna uh, but he's not Spanish <laughs> what, what are your what are your thoughts on before we actually talk about him, what are your thoughts on things like that? Because I think my mindset changes. If you are like Declan Rice going from Ireland to England, I get it because England are gonna England are way more likely to win something than Ireland are. But going from Brazil to Spain, he said he wasn't sure whether he'd get in the Brazilian squad. He can't have looked at that Spanish midf- midfield and gone, "Oh, I reckon I'll sit in there in front of Xavi and Iniesta." Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's weird, like, I respect the ambition. Um, no, I don't actually, because he probably thought, oh, I'm never going to play for Brazil because I'm not good enough. I might have a better chance of getting into the Spain squad because that probably was his thought process. Um, Declan Rice is a bit different. Declan Rice is born and raised in London. Like, switching from Ireland to England is a bit of a, it's a, bit of a no-brainer, really. Um, it's just mugged him off in terms of uh, his development. But, yeah, I don't... <sighs> It's funny, isn't it? Imagine because, like, I don't know if there was a a player that came over. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of like there's a Brazilian player that came to England, um, played for like a like a championship level. N- obviously, never gonna get a, never get a Brazil cap. Um, 
But then Gareth Southgate just sees him one day and goes, oh, actually, what am I, what am I picking him? If he was unreal, you would be like, yeah, sign him up. John Zinho. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you are right. But I, I think the, the Spanish are really susceptible for doing things like this, though, aren't they? I mean, Senna, Diego Costa. Diego Costa's Brazilian. Mm. Like, is is super Brazilian, doesn't play for Brazil. Uh, I merit Laporte is French, but plays for Spain. It's a bit different, though, with Laporte, isn't it? No, because he's well. No, he he's represented France, and he lived. He lived and was born in France. I know it's Basque country, and Basque country's on the border, but it's still it's French, isn't it? Like, <laughs> that's like that's true, like saying yeah. that's like living. It's like living in Hereford and saying, "Oh yeah, you're Welsh." Yeah, true. Get the map. Get the map out. See if you can figure out where Hereford is. Gone. Where is it? <laughs> uh, <up north. laughs> I don't get nervous. Um. That was um, that was like when Jack Grealish is like, oh, can you point out where Birmingham's map is? Like, no chance. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, back to back to Marcos Senna. So, what I what I like I said, but I didn't see him as the type of player I thought he was. I thought Marcos Senna was sort of you, you, a hold midfielder that keeps things ticking over. Um, Keeps things ticking over, really technical, really good on the ball, which I think he was all of those things. But the thing, the thing I didn't think he had in his locker was, like you said, the absolute boomers that he used to score, um, and the fact that he was actually like not prolific, prolific, but relatively prolific. Like he was, a, he's a holding mid- midfielder that scores one in ten. So if you're a holding midfielder that gets four or five, there's a difference between a holding midfielder that gets sort of four or five a year and one that gets one or two a year. Especially because he's on, he's on. Marcos Senna was on the set pieces. He was taking corners. He was taking free kicks and penalties. Um, there's there's quite a few. Uh, like there's quite a few videos of him scoring goals against like Real Madrid as well, just scoring a few boomers against Real Madrid, and we're going to talk about some of his best goals later. But um, he wasn't the type of player that I thought he was. I don't know if I uh, like who would you liken him to now? Um, he's pr- he's probably he's probably kind of similar to Rodri, but when I was watching him. I mean, he kind of looks like him, but Fernandinho is reminding me a little bit of. Like, still, he's still a defensive midfielder, but he's he's still got he's still got a shot and a set piece in him. So, yeah, maybe maybe more, hmm, maybe more of a Rodri. Yeah. I would I would go with that. I would go with he's obviously. By the way, we're not saying Marco Senna was no. as good as Rodri, but a capable, a capable holding midfielder like. going forward. Very capable. Yeah, that's relatively good at going forward. That Rodri's just weirdly added. I don't feel like Rodri even had that before. I feel like he was realised he was so good and he's just going, oh, fuck it, I'll just add something else. Why not? Shits and yeah. gigs, isn't it? Messes it a 30 yarder when, when I'm allowed to. Um, yeah, exactly. And what what I think I what I what think I really respect about Marcos Senna is he spent 11 years at Villarreal. He's, he's a sort of player, right, when you look at like timings of his career and stuff like that, like he probably could have gone at some point somewhere. Probably could have gone somewhere else at some point, but never, but never did. But but <laughs> but <laughs> I respect that side of him because, like I say, he played two hundred ninety. He played nearly three hundred times in the league for Villarreal. He played over three hundred times for him in total. But he did nearly go to somewhere, didn't he? He did, Josh. Where did he nearly go? Arguably. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Arguably. The biggest side in Manchester. Manchester United. The biggest side of Manchester, arguably. Trying to think of a joke. Looked out of the window to see if there was inspiration. Was going to make a joke about the word untied. Couldn't think of any. He nearly went to United in 2006. So, in 2006, for for we'll go for his international career in context. But in 2006, he is he's 30 years old when he would have been well, he would have been 30 years old when he was going to join United. It was actually all done. Everything was sort of cleared. All was good to go. Um, but the problem is, is that he was their second choice. So Marcos Senna was on the brink of joining Man United. Four million pounds bargain, great deal. Um, but he didn't end up going because Man United bought Owen Hargreaves instead. Did they buy him? I thought it was a case they they went to buy him and then they couldn't get him. 
Yeah, sorry. sorry. So they're interested in Owen Hargreaves is the reason that they went. Because Man United went to buy Owen Hargreaves one year and then the following year actually went and bought him because Bayern wouldn't sell him. But I think because they thought, oh, actually, the Owen Hargreaves thing's going to happen, that's sort of what negated their interest in Marcos Senna. Um, as opposed to... As opposed to getting, they were going to get one or the other. They weren't going to get one for a season, then going to go and get one for the next season because they sort of knew that the Hargreaves, well, they knew that the Hargreaves thing was going to happen. I mean, for, from your point of view, like, would you say that that's a mistake or or, or not? Um, for him, for him, for but from both perspectives, let's say for let's say for him first. I mean, he he probably would have gone. To, he was going. He would have gone to United at a time when they're going to go on and win quite a lot. So maybe, but in terms of like what he did for Villarreal, he's like a club legend there. Um, to play for one club for ten, over 10 years is like really, I've, I think it's really commendable. Like not many players do that and to do that and then be able to make the choice at the end, like I'm going to go to the USA and just and play in New York. I mean, it sounds kind of dead, like from a footballing perspective, but from a personal perspective, that would be unreal. Um, the only other thing that you would need to consider is Man United. I think the same season they bought Michael Carrick in that summer. So, would it have hampered his appearances? Would they have signed Michael Carrick if they'd got Marco Senna? I don't know the timeline on that one, but I think he would have been very successful at Man United. Um, He'd have been perfect. I mean, to be fair, Michael Carrick, Michael Senna, kind of similar players. Um, Senna probably did a bit more of the defensive side of things. Bit more in his locker, maybe, you might argue. Um, what? <laughs> Marco Senna more in his locker than Michael Carrick? Are you joking? I'm just saying. Might have more Might have more tools. That is one of the worst takes <laughs> I've ever heard. Mike, Michael Carrick, Michael, I say time and time again, Suarez might be one of the most underrated players ever. Michael Carrick is the most underrated player ever. He Did was Michael Carrick score any free kicks? Scored a boomer against Roma once. But... <laughs> Sorry, I said I said that in the, I said that in the tone of nothing to smile about in my life. <laughs> Whoa, I scored a boomer against Roma once. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, fair enough. So, in and the answer probably not the probably a mixed bag because yes, like you said, it would have been a good thing if he had come to him because he would have gone to Man United. Probably would have won something there. But also, Michael Carrick, he's not starting ahead of Michael Carrick. The the way and, and I can I can tell you why he's not starting ahead of Michael Carrick because I listened to I actually listened to the David Gill interview this week um, where they talk about um, where they talk about some of their signings and stuff like that and I was and then weirdly I saw like a video that must have been something in my algorithm to do with it and they and honestly the way that the club perceived Michael Carrick and how great he was and stuff like that like there was no way on earth that he was going anywhere else like the club thought so 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 highly of him and he was young at that point. Um, and he dabbed in his testimonial, so I mean, loads of things to love there. <laughs> oh my God. Um, um, was it a bad move for him? Probably, like you said, probably not. Because if if would you rather, right? As Marcos Senna, you're a hundred and what? How many games would you have played at this point? Hundred and twenty, hundred and forty games that you played in the four seasons. Would you rather go to Man United and then fade into like mediocrity in the set in? two to three years let's say he let's say he does let's say at the age of 33 mm. he then goes off he goes to somewhere else he's not going to send um, he's not going to send anything not going to stay any longer than that or would you rather go and be a club legend at Villarreal for the next seven years even though it's not going to be easy <laughs> I mean that's a that's a really easy easy answer isn't it you don't want to never, if he failed into, into mediocrity at Man United good chance he wouldn't have been in that Spain squad in 2008 um, which which would have been a real shame for him so yeah obviously the, the move would have been great but it sounds like Man United fucked about too long and he just decided to commit his future to Villarreal which again I do really respect because so many players when they get a they get like a sniff from a bigger club. They just down tools and just will wait for the last the last second of the window to go. Um, but he was like, "Nah, not having this. This isn't. This is taking too long." Fuck you, Sir Alex. I'm staying. Whoa. I'm 
Ooh, fucking hell. Fuck you, Sir Alex. <laughs> I'm not fucking staying. I'm I'm not fucking leaving. That is, re that is respect, to be fair. Other than the fuck you, Sir Alex thing, that is respect. But I think during his, so during his, time, during his time at Villarreal, he sort of plays with like such a wide variety of squads. Let's talk about the good times, right? Villarreal, Champions League semi-finalists. They get to the Champions League semi-final where they get knocked up by Arsenal, which is obviously not great. Um, but if you look at some of if you look at some of the players they had in that side, mate, and some of the players had over the years, Raquel May. How did Villarreal have in Raquel May and Diego Forlan up front? They had so many like random players that were like unbelievable XV. Do you remember Nilmar, the fake Neymar before he was Neymar? They had Nilmar. Oh yeah. They yeah, had yeah. players like they had Captavia, who obviously has played fucking loads for Spain. They had Diego Lopez, who was went on to be Real Madrid's number one. They had mate Canny. Do you remember Canny? He was class, mate. He was like he's again. He's one of those. Do you remember last week we spoke about Danny? So essentially, if you're Spanish <laughs> and your name ends in A N I, we really like you. But he was class. Um, they just had loads of like weird cult players mixed together. Um, Nihat. Along with along, along with yeah, exactly. Along with and mate, along with fucking Robert Perez. <laughs> like fucking hell, yeah. He I was, forgot he played for Villarreal. Mate, he played with Robert Perez over ninety times. That is fucking mental, isn't it? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, play with Pepe Reina. Play with Pepe Reina for two seasons. Play with Diego Godin for three seasons. Like he, because he was there for so long, he went from playing with like the Villarreal back in the day good side to the up and coming new players, and then ultimately down to Villarreal not being a great side either. Um, but do like, what are your? Do, do you have any memories of the, of those sides when they were like good? The Villarreal side. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember them against Arsenal in the Champions League. Um, and I remember like watching on a Sunday Sunday evening on uh, on Sky Sports, a couple of La like some of the La Liga games. Um, the games, <laughs> he seemed to be like a bit of a, um, he seemed to be like a bit of a jinx for Casillas. Like he, he scores quite a few free kicks against him. Um, and when I was watching it, I was thinking... I really wonder why Real Madrid didn't pick him up because he seems like the type of player that Real Madrid would have, would have absolutely definitely have bought. Um, Spanish international playing at the top of his level and a team just outside, well, I mean, they did finish second uh, in 2007-2008, but a team that would be just outside uh, the top three. Um, it just screams of like Real Madrid picking him up for like 20 million, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Absolutely stinks it. You, we actually spoke about it last week. Real Madrid buying like Sergio Canales, and I was thinking about other players like Ira Mendy, those type of players that were the best mm -hmm. in class outside of, but probably not good enough. He would have fit into that, but I feel like he would have been good enough because I feel like the difference between the difference between Marcos Senna and maybe some of those other players is Marcos Senna proved that he was extremely functional in a midfield with other outstanding players because he did it for Spain because he 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 did that for Spain like. He he proved that he could be like outstanding in that in that sort of field, whereas maybe some of those other players, it must be difficult to be fair going from being like big fish in a small pond to being sort of like a, a small fish in a big pond. But I think with Marcus Ma Marcos Marcos was like in he wasn't when he was at Villarreal when the there were bigger fishes than him, even though the pond was still quite small, but he was still a big enough ish fish. Do you know what I mean? He was kind of like small fish, small <laughs> pond, but the best small fish. God, this is such a shit analogy. But do you get what I mean? In the oh, sense so of lost. when Right, what I'm what I'm saying is right. Average sized fish. Like Yeah, he's an average sized fish in a good in an alright pond. <laughs> now what I'm saying is like if you're the best if you're if you are the best player at if you're the best player at Villarreal and then you go to Real Madrid and there's there's two or three brilliant players around you in the same position, you might find that quite difficult, right? What yeah. I'm saying is, Marcos Senna wasn't ever Villarreal, and if he was their best player, he wasn't their most creative or their, or he, he wasn't their best player at any point when they were good because they had like people like Raquel May who was better than him and would be getting bigger headlines and Forlan who was better than him and Rossi who was, Rossi probably maybe not better than him but more sort of productive than he was. 
So what I'm saying is if you took that person who was still a brilliant player but not the biggest fish and put them in a big side, I think it would work still. He probably would probably be a bit more appreciated now as well. Um, I'll say at least not appreciated, but like you said, you don't remember him for anything other than being a defensive midfielder, but I remember him for scoring bangers. So I think that's quite polarising it in, in itself. So maybe if you played for Real Madrid and you saw him score a few more goals, you'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, he was a player. Yeah, agreed. He he also is what I love about what I love about him is predators. Yeah, oh, yeah. If there's, <laughs> you know how you know how you know how football players just suit boots. When I go back and watch him, there's nothing that there's not a player that suits a boot more than Marcos Senna wearing predators. He is the most predator footballer ever. Not in the sense, of, God, that makes him sound like he's a rapist. But in the sense of, in the sense of, he's a holding midfielder who loves it, or he's a midfielder that loves a tackle but can kick a ball hard as fuck. Really technically good, passing really, really good. It, that is that is a predator footballer, isn't it? Like that's like Steven Gerrard's a predator footballer. Yeah. Always, always will be, always has been. Like he 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 fits that mold down to a T. Yeah, he he wore some really nice predators as well. He wore the he wore the really nice predators into the phase where they kind of got a bit crap around like two thousand and like eleven twelve where they were getting a kind of bit dead, um, maybe even before that. But yes, yeah, some of them, mate, so nice. Some of them, I I was looking at like hit some of his highlights and some of the boots I completely forgot existed, and I thought I, I don't even remember that the boot in that colorway. But yeah, they, he had some he had some gorgeous boots. He um he he also and I think this is a testament and if this is this is quite a niche comment again, but do you remember when the predators had no, the predators stopped having tongues when they had the no tongue predators? He yep. managed to make them look nice, <laughs> and I do genuinely think that is difficult to do. I think when I think no tongue predators, I now think of him and Berbatov. I like the only two footballers I thought God they look, they look really good and they suit them. Like Gerard when he had no tongue predators, I was like oh he, they have to have tongues on them. Senna had to have tongues on his as well, but also kind of made the other ones look quite cool. Um, so, so shout out Marcos Senna for that. Um, he also had, he also had. When you look at pictures of him, if you look at his shin pads, mate, he looks like he's got cricket pads on. <laughs> they are absolutely massive. He's not got shin pads; he's got leg pads on. Um, but you wouldn't want to tackle from Big Marcos. But I think maybe more so what we haven't done as much probably in some of our other pods and we're going to probably not talk loads about now we're going to talk a little bit his international career so I think that's how he made a bit of a name for himself so Marcos um, Marcos Senna obviously born Brazilian lived in Brazil gained his citizenship in 2006 and as soon as he gained his citizenship for Spain uh, he was called straight up by Luis Aragones which is like 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 we were saying earlier we don't know how we feel about it but also kind of respect it Um, and what what's I, what I found really interesting is he plays at the um, he plays at the two thousand and six World Cup, but didn't play a second in qualifying. He wasn't Spanish in qualifying. <laughs> he was a Brazilian man in qualifying, but then ends up playing for Spain at the World Cup. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine now? Like I'm trying to think of a player, but like, I just imagine like it's like a journeyman. Not even a journeyman, like like a like a, a a player that's doing well in the Premier League, say Spanish. Um, you, you know they haven't got a well, actually, you don't know they haven't got a Spain cap because you're not interested in their international career. And then the, like a couple of weeks before World Cup is about to, uh, Euro is about to be announced, Gareth Southgate announces. I'm trying to think of a player, just a random in like a random Pascal Gross, Pascal Gross, right? Pascal Gross has been called up for the England side. You go, what the fuck? But also, I can see him. <laughs> I can see that working. <laughs> Pascal Gross. Yeah. Is yeah. I mean, would, would you? I was just thinking about that. Would you be particularly begrudged if Pascal Gross? Is, I know he's obviously played for Germany, but I wouldn't be begrudged. I'd be like, yeah, all right, not bad. Yeah. Not bad thing. Play right backs, centre mid. Chuck him in there if we need to. Um, I think Senna's a little bit better than that. But anyway, yeah, I think it's just a bit like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've got yeah, yeah, just yeah, really. Yeah, I wouldn't begrudge it unless it was like if unless it meant leaving out a really good English player, and you're like, oh, you could have taken, yeah. you could have taken Kobe Mino, but you've taken Pascal Gross. Yeah, I'd be fuming. 
yeah, I hate Pascal Gross. Um, but anyway, so obviously 2006. Um, yeah, they don't win. So who cares? We're just going to kind of go past that. 2008 is where he makes his name, right? 2008 is where he makes his name. And this is why I want to big up Marcos Senna, right? Marcos Senna, like we said, he wins the Don Ballon, which is the uh, which is the award for the Spanish Player of the Year, right? But in 2008, he plays every single minute for Spain at the Euros, which, when you look at their squads is absolutely insane. So the starting lineup, I'll give you the, the starting lineup in the final is Casillas, Ramos, Carlos Marquena, player, Puyo Captavir as a back four. Marcos Senna sitting just in front of it with the four mate, the four in front of him. Iniesta, Ooh. Xavi, Fabregas, Silva. <laughs> and then Torres wow. up front. Now if you like, it's that is as that is impressive, right? It's obviously extremely impressive, but it's even more impressive when you realise that he plays every single game in that tournament whilst keeping Shabby Alonso at twenty six. Right, he's thirty two at this point as well. By the way, he's thirty two and he keeps a twenty six year old Shabby Alonso out of the squad. That is, uh, uh, if there's a testament to how good Marcos Senna was. It is the fact that he can do that and play every single minute and be Spain's player of the year when you think of that, that midfield. And they've also, Spain have got like David Veer on the bench. Do you remember David Guiza? Do you remember Guiza? Danny Guiza, sorry. Nah. He used to have the little, he had the proper bum bluff goatee and he used to do the celebration where it was like, um, kind of like, you know, when Usain Bolt did the bolt, it was kind of like that, but he'd do it while he was knee sliding. Legend. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um so Marcos plays every minute for them and the the, the sign of equality of him as a holding midfielder is I mean Xavi is out Xavi's outstanding, we all know that. Cesc Fabregas was an outstanding player, we all know that. But Marcos you with that four in front of you, you know that Marcos is gonna probably gonna be picking up a lot of their slack, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. That, that is that's very attacking. That's a very attacking midfield. I don't remember it being that midfield though, which is weird because I thought I didn't think David Silva started in two thousand and eight. I I thought Xabi Alonso started. I thought David Silva was on the bench and he came off. Um, nah, he started in the final. This is this is just the final. He might he might have started some of the games. Definitely, this was in the final. He Xabi Alonso actually comes on for Fabregas in the final, and David Silva goes off for Santi Carzola in the final, which is the well, I mean that's some sub that. Um, but he, so he makes the 2008 squad, player of the year, etc. Doesn't make the 2010 World Cup squad. So actually, disappointingly for Marcos, he never actually wins the World Cup, which is a bit sad. Um, but he, um, but he's won the Euros. He gets kept out of the, he gets kept out of the 2010 squad because of Sergio Busquets, which I mean, yeah, you can't argue that, can you? Um, just, just something I wanted to go back for, um, back four, back two. A back four and a back two. I mean, we talk about either of them, but um, is at his time in Villarreal. And I think one thing that we didn't really highlight is in terms of the the trajectory of Villarreal over sort of the years that he's there. So when he's at Villarreal, they start his first season. They come 18th. They'd actually only been promoted to La Liga four years prior to him being there. And then the seasons afterwards is fourth, seventh, fifth, third, fifth, seventh, third. Good. Mm-hmm. All of that time, he's under the management of Juan Carlos Garrido for two years, but then Pellegrini is there for years. Pellegrini, uh, Pellegrini is like he—he he doesn't. He—he he looks like a corpse with skin and a wig on. Like he is—he is a—he just looks like a very tired man. But I bet he wasn't as tired at this point. He then leaves. And then they end up getting, they end up having a couple years of mediocrity, lower thing, and then they get relegated. And when they get relegated, Big Marcos takes it upon himself to then start playing as like an attacking midfielder at that point. So he gets, he plays as like a playmaker slightly higher up the pitch when they get promoted. And I kind of think at that point, he's kind of gone, I'm in the second division in Spain. <laughs> I've obviously won the Euros to Spain. I'm extremely highly thought of it. Let's just have some fun. You know, it's like, 
It's like when the best player, like let's say you're in the B team of football and one of the players in the A team comes down, walks down, holding the ball in his arm, doesn't let anyone else touch it, goes, right, I'm on corners, free kicks, penalties. <laughs> that is it. what Marcus Senna has done as a midfielder. Um, and then obviously he helps the, the yellow submarine Villarreal back up to um, La Liga. They are such a, Villarreal to me are such a weird a weird club because they have so many good cult players but they also have so many people that I've like would just fade away and I wouldn't ever remember do you know what I mean yeah but that's that's you gotta remember it's a it, I, I say this in the, most, like, the, the nicest way possible it's a very small club in terms of like the area that Villarreal encompasses is, is very it's, the population is something silly like I think it's less than 100,000 50,000 there you go so when you think about it like that, I, I can't even I'm trying to think comparison to like somewhere in England, but Cheltenham. I mean, yeah, like to have those have had those players and have those like those finishes in the, in the top flight of Spanish football. To go any further would be insane. Can you imagine if they won the league. Yeah, they came so when they came second, so close. But also not close enough, so unlucky. Um, <laughs> it would be unreal if they won the league. It wouldn't be. It's, it's not quite Leicester level stories, but it'd be a big story nonetheless. But they always have, even like even when you look at it now, they always have like I don't know. I feel like they've always got like a couple of players that will always be linked with bigger clubs, or a couple of players that have been there for ages that have been class. Like Gerard Moreno scored a million goals for him. Do you know what I mean? Over the, maybe not this year, but over the course of the years, have scored loads. It's it's such a such a mm. weird club. Um, finished his career at New York, uh, New York Cosmos, who aren't even MLS, the North <laughs> American Soccer League, New York Cosmos. Like so, is that is that the same place that um, Joe Cole went and played? In the same, it's, it's the same league, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same league, but it's the same place. It's where Pele and Beckenbauer played. New York Cosmos, isn't it? I think that's so strange. Like they've got the MLS, which is obviously franchises. You can't you can't get relegated out of it. And then they've got an actual league. You would much rather play in the actual league, wouldn't you? I don't. Oh, it blows my mind that they even have the MLS. Yeah, stupid and it? it's stupid. Idiots. They also have in the NASL. They have a spring league and a fall league. So they have like okay, okay. So guys, we're basically going to play in like the spring now. And then we're going to play in the autumn and we're going to just kind of have like two leagues and we're just going to just kind of, you know, work it out. Uh, fucking mental. Um, but as we're going to go on to shortly, fucking lovely kits. Ooh. Lovely jubbly kits. And that's um, why they're the wet dream. And that is why they are the wet dream. So in answer to the original question that we have spoken about, mate, how good was Marcos Senna? I think the answer is, we can both agree, is very good. I think if you were to describe... I think if you were to describe Marcos Senna as a player, is um, keep the ball, keep the ball, pass the ball, win tackles, be technically quite good, and also have a fucking rocket in you just in <laughs> case you fancy it. He's actually said, um, Senna commented on his own playing style and said, my style is simple and objective. I don't like when players try to do easy things in a complicated way. The others help me in my role, but the factor is, the important factor is that there is a lot of quality in and around me and our opponents are worried about all other midfielders. That means there is more space left for me. And as I'm a good <laughs> passer, that becomes important for the team. <laughs> so he's basically gone, he's basically gone, I'm good, probably not quite as good as the other players you're worried about, but because you're worried about them, I'll become even better. So shout out, <laughs> sh- shout out, Marcos Senna. Um, so should we go through his top three kits? I'm mm. gonna leave you to go through his top three kits. Okay. I'll sit here. I'll sit back and listen and enjoy that, that you you talk him through. So do you want to start from third? Right. Let's see if we get this right the first time. Okay. So. At number three, we've got the the most batshit white Corinthians home shirt with the Brazilian national team badge in the middle of it. Why? I don't know. It's absolutely no idea. But the the Corinthians badge on any shirt is banging. It's such a nice badge. It's an iconic football badge. Um, the shirt is white. It's got some. It's got some black accents on the sleeve. 
and then the popped black collar. Absolutely unreal. Then number two, we've got the uh, Villarreal uh, home shirt from 2008-2009. It's a Puma one. Um, Plain yellow with the blue with the blue Puma badge. Um, you don't. It doesn't need to overdo it with the Villarreal kits because it's just completely yellow. It just looks. It looks good. It's a really clean kit. Um, and then at number one, we've got the 2007-2008 uh, uh, Spain national team home shirt, which is oh, unbelievable, mate. So it's so nice. It's got the Adidas. Yeah. It's got the Adidas logo. Where would you say that is? It's like in the middle of the chest. It's like not in the chest. Yeah, it's central, like on your throat. Yes. It's like yeah, just yeah, below yeah. the high. neckline. Central in the and middle. high. Oh, yeah. Banging. In gold. Big Spanish national team badge on the left. Big fat number on the right. Gold gold stripes down the sleeves. And then like some gold detailing uh, like through the middle of the shirt. The shorts. Oof, the shorts are nice as well. Um we were talking about them before the pod, but uh, black shorts with the gold, with the gold stripes, and then Spanish, the Spanish flag, which we don't normally see on football <laughs> kits, but no. just thought I'd throw that in there as well, just because nice bit of detail in. But yeah, um, so just to go back through them, um, number three, the Corinthians 99, 2000 home shirt. Um, the uh, Number two, the Villarreal uh, 2008, 2009 home shirt. And then at number one, that beautiful Spanish 2007-2008 home shirt. Yeah. The shorts, the shorts, like you said, are absolute beauties. They're a little bit Florence and Fred, aren't they? Like, like usually, mm. you know when you used to get the England shorts that just had an England flag on them <laughs> rather than an England badge? But yeah, they're, like you said, stunners, man. Any honourable mentions or not? Or Sorry, mate. Off? I can, yeah, I'll go for the honourable mention as well, if you'd like. So obviously, we did oh, speak a bit earlier about uh, the New York Cosmos uh, kits and bloody hell. Wow. <laughs> We've only picked one. Um, it didn't make the top three, but it is a really nice shirt. So it's the um, New York Cosmos 14-15 third shirt. Mate. It looks a bit like a Brazil away shirt, I'll say. it's um, It's got like... How do I describe it? It's like a, it's like a, it's not like a dark, it's like a, it's not like a dark blue. It's like a, maybe like a Chelsea blue, we might say. Fly Emirates across the middle, which is a nice, it's a great, uh, out of the sponsors, it's, it's a pretty nice sponsor. It's nice and symmetrical. Uh, and we got the, the big, uh, iconic New York Cosmos badge up in the corner. It's a Nike shirt. So you obviously got the Nike tick and then you've got um, a white collar. But it's buttoned, which I'm not massive fan on. My fan of personally, it's a bit like a polo shirt, um, and then the white accents on the sleeve. Which, yeah, it is a nice shirt. If how to improve HTI, um, I'd probably get rid of the buttons. I keep the collar, maybe a an elasticated collar. Um, but this isn't the mate how fashion was podcast. This is the uh, mate how good was podcast. So um, I'm going to stop talking. Okay, fair enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not anti a collar and a button personally, but I. But I understand. I understand, and I. And I. I accept. Um, well, not that I, it doesn't matter if I accept or didn't accept. Because it's your fucking opinion, isn't it? So Agreed. those are just top three kits. Now, when we're talking about his top three goals, we're talking about boomers. We're not talking about. We're not, not talking happens. about little flippy. No, we're not talking about little flippy flappers. We're talking about whackums from miles away, right? So. Let me set the scene. In th- goal number three is Spain versus Armenia. Now, let me set the scene with this for you. Marcos Senna ha- is soon to be, forward slash possibly actually just been given, Don Ballon, Spanish player of the year. He's just he's just anchored the Spanish midfield into a Euros victory. He's just gone, I fucking hate those Kardashians and Henrik Mkhitaryan, <laughs> and he's gone, I'm going to take it all out on their, on their country, Armenia. He's literally gone in the game, in the game against Armenia, he's gone for a couple of boomers, keepers made a great save and he's hit the bar, but goal number three in the list is his goal against Armenia in which he takes the ball and he just does exactly what you expect him to do safe as houses a fucking bullet into the into the bottom right hand corner all right let's not fuck about it goal all right rocket one that you would be very proud of but for a player like Marcus only comes third 
Goal number two. Again, donning that all-yellow kit, which does not miss. Even Joma make that yellow kit look good. <laughs> Even that stupid brand that's an X make that yellow kit look good. It is, it is an unbelievable kit. Anyway, back to... So, goal number two, sorry, is his rocket against Villarreal. Uh, his rocket against Zaragoza, sorry, for Villarreal, obviously. Um, where the ball comes in and he kind of hits it, not as much as an outside-of-the-foot volley, but that sweet spot that's not quite outside of the foot, but it's not quite the laces. So, it has the little bit of the the little bit of the in-swing in it and it goes from... It looks like it might be going slightly wide, then goes top left-hand corner and, again, he's hit it. It's one of those ones where if you hit in the park, you would not shut the fuck up about it. I can remember my Urente volley from when I was 17 like it was yesterday and this is very similar to that but for, again for Marcos second place light work goal number one he's gone he's got he's taken his, him and his yellow submarine have gone down gone down the Spanish coast and they've made their way to Sevilla to play Real Betis he's gone right centre right what should I do here um, yeah I used to play FIFA 2003 actually oh what Van Nistelrooy and Henri from centre if you just held B enough they scored a goal from centre yeah, I'll try that in real life. No problemo. <laughs> Halfway line, stunner. Halfway line, stunner. And it's it, it's like a it's very technical. Like you can like you see some halfway line goals and they're not that technical. This is technical. Lovely little beauty chip over the goalkeeper. Um, so I'm just going to read that through one more time because I've got myself a little bit excited about it and probably spoke for too much time. Goal in third position, his goal just after winning Don Ballon for Spain um, against Armenia just after winning the Euros. He shoved it into Henrik Mkhitaryan and the Kardashians and he's hit an absolute rifle into the bottom right-hand corner. Goal number two is against Fernando Morientes' beloved Zaragoza where he has hit the the volley that you dream of as a non-professional footballer where it comes off slightly towards the outside of the boot and goes into the top left-hand corner. And then goal number one, which it has to be, is his, which he actually describes as the best goal of his life, is the little um, halfway line, the little halfway line, the halfway line sort of um, lob come, shot from miles out come, absolute worldy against Real Betis. So those are Marcos Senna's top three goals. Shout out Marcos Senna, what a plur. Agreed. Right, let's go through this next part quickly because I know that you need to be out of the house in the next five to ten minutes. So, uh, overrated or underrated? Underrated, massively, I think. The fact that you thought he was just a, like a little defensive midfielder didn't do a great deal other than tackle and kick. I think that goes without saying. He's massively underrated. I also didn't realise he'd won the player of the tournament in 2008, which, I mean, is is, is insane. So, yeah, underrated. Yeah, agreed. Completely underrated. And I think this question then becomes even more difficult because of what the market's like now. Chelsea have spent £125 million on, on Moises Caicedo. Yeah. And play, and the clubs are just constantly looking to spend a lot of money on holding midfielders or all of a sudden worth a load. So how much is he worth? Let's say at the age of 20... In fact, let's say at 31. So he's just had the Euros. Sorry, he wasn't 32. He's 31. He's just had a brilliant Euros. How much is he worth at that point? Oof. Um... Someone's going to try and buy him from from Villarreal. They've just finished second in the league, I think, as well. Yeah, fifty million. I know he's yeah, old. Agreed. But fifty million probably to prize him away. Yeah, yeah. I think they cost fifty million to prize him away as well. Weirdly, how weird is that thought? Same number again. Um, I think if he was slightly younger, he'd arguably be cheaper. But I think the way how stupid the market is, maybe forty million, maybe forty, forty-five. Actually, maybe not quite fifty, but. I think he'd be in and around the 40 to 50 million bracket. I think he costs a lot of money. Um, mate, how good was Marco Senna? Very good. Right, here are my questions. Are you ready for this? Yep, go on. I'm going to give you another hint as well. Question number five, I've written make up some shit again because I forgot to change it <laughs> again once I did my notes. So, Marco Senna made most appearances with Canny in his career. But which Arsenal um, cult hero did Senna play the second most games with? Cazorla. Yeah, correct. Oh. Played, over played over 170 times with Santi Cazorla. Well done. Almost went Perez then. Sticking on the Arsenal theme, he played with which one of Arsenal's manage- managerial duo, Edu or Arteta? Oh, Edu. He doesn't... Oh, Corinthians. Correct, yes, yes, it is Corinthians. I like this game of Edu or Arteta, um, and I'm going to continue to play. It. <laughs> 
True or false, Marco Senna is cousins with F1 cult hero Ayrton Senna. False. False. Correct. True or false, Arsene Wenger letting go Ar- Arsene Wenger letting go one of his players almost caused him to go to Man United. False. True, actually. Uh, Villarreal were more susceptible to allow him to go to Man United because they signed some random Argentinian midfielder I can't remember and Robert Perez so because they had thought they had some form of reinforcements they were more susceptible to let him go uh, even though they didn't and here we go and make up some shit which is going to be really really tough for me at this point okay I so think this might be true yeah I think it might be true as well uh, final one is Marcos Senna has a has a stand named after him at Villarreal and the irony is is he can only cartwheel and handstand on it because it's his own stand. And Hans Molman. True. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, he also actually does have, at Villarreal, he doesn't have a stand named after him, but one of the gates is named after him. So one of the gates you can walk into is called the Marcos Senna Gate. Sick, isn't it? Oh, that's, that's fucking shit. A gate? Nah, that's class. It's, 24 fa- it's like a 20,000-seater stadium. They have a fucking stand after him. He's their, their best player ever. Nah, Raquel, mate. But also, is he- Gates are sick. Third, Gates are sick. You just walk in and walk out of class. Well smart. Name me one good gate. Uh... I'll name you one shit one. Ramsgate. I'll name you another shit one. Ashton Gate. Gateshead. There's three. Um, Gatorade is quite crap as well. Yeah, agreed. Terrible. Alligator wouldn't want to get hit, wouldn't want to bump into any of them. Uh, Watergate, <laughs> yeah, Watergate, crap. Um, Christ, this is bad. Floodgate, Jesus, yeah, there's those. yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, right, yeah, sorry, take it all back. It's a disgrace. Name a stand after in VRL. Um, right, that's us. <laughs> that's us. Um, Hope you enjoyed. If you haven't already, uh, follow us on social media at MateHGW on Instagram, at MateHGW on TikTokie, and we will see you with another Week in Football and Player podcast next week. And it is a bye from me. And a bye from me. Bye. We love you so much. El Whackham them balls.